Hey, welcome NFL football fans. That time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. And here we are. Week one was fantastic in the NFL. It was, uh, you know, we had new coaches. We had rookies doing great things. Uh, we had a terrific comeback by a veteran who is making a very strong case for being the uh, best quarterback in the history of this fantastic American sport here. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to break that down. And also we got uh, fantasy football tips coming up for you. We're going to do our picks of the week, with the best games of week two coming up. And also for those of you uh, who like a little juice, as it's called, uh, we do have our Gambler's Delight segment. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. So as you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of just the very, very best. So here he is, the man uh, many of you already follow on Twitter, at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S-L Sports. And here he is from an undisclosed location somewhere in beautiful Southern California, my favorite East Coast intellectual, none other than Chris Lardieri. Hey, Chris, what's up out there, man? Charles, great to be back after the summer off. Uh, NFL is back. As always, I appreciate the phenomenal introduction. And uh, yeah, I know there was a lot of uh, hype and hyperbole about rules changes in the NFL and teams not playing their best players in the preseason, but it's great to have football back. It's as unpredictable and as exciting as ever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's true. Fantastic. And, you know, the thing is, it's too bad the uh, all the new head coaches, they kind of got off to a bad start. Seven new head coaches. They went 0-7 uh, in their games, highlighted by, of course, John Gruden uh, with losing to the Rams. And, uh, you know, Gruden, he traded away Khalil Mack off that defense. That was one of his moves, traded him away to the Bears, who had an epic collapse against the Packers. And I remember in the first half of that game, they tied, Khalil Mack was everywhere for the Bears. And they were talking about him and what he was doing, what he brought to the defense. And it was a foregone conclusion that they had squashed the Packers, and then came that great comeback. But really, Gruden trading him away. and But they got draft picks in 2019 and 2020. And uh, the, the rumbling, though, from Raider Nation is that uh, basically it's pretty much uh, over at this point. And one thing was maybe Gruden should have, or, or the Raiders, but they gave Gruden the power. Maybe they should have hung on to Mac for this season and then – made that same deal that they're going to make next season, but they would have had him still. Yeah, I think they should have followed the Le'Veon Bell model. Now, I know that's not working out that great. <laughs> right. You know, previously, the Redskins did that with Kirk Cousins. You've got him under control, and I know I get the point. They don't want to pay him huge sums of money like the Rams are with Aaron Donald and have that all tied up in one defensive player, but um, you know, at some point, you've got to make a run with this team. You've got a new coach. You're moving to Vegas. He's clearly one of the best defensive players in the NFL, as we saw last Sunday night. Uh, I just don't get it. I mean, from an economic sense, I see what they're trying to do, but there was no need to do it. It wasn't like they had to trade him away at that point in time. Exactly. So more of a timing issue. And, well, if we look at these, what would you say the biggest surprise of week one? I mean, we had uh, your boy, you know, I know about you Giants fans out there, Saquon Barkley, the highly touted rookie out of Penn State. Hey, 18 carries, 106 yards, uh, one TD. But how about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the wily old vet for Tampa Bay, going into New Orleans and hanging 48 on the New Orleans Saints? More impressive with that, with him throwing for over 400 yards and four TDs. Or uh, Sam Darnold getting the start for the Jets. He throws a pick six on his very first pass and then goes on to you know, quarterback a Jets team, even though it was a total team effort there more so. But uh, they hang up 48 points in, their, in his debut also. Yeah, I, th I think if I'd have to say Fitzpatrick. I mean, no one saw this coming. The Saints, a lot of people, there's a lot of Super Bowl hype about them. People are predicting them to be the team to make the run this year. And the fact that their defense was much improved last year as they made a nice run in the playoffs. But um, I think that's more of a surprise, just given the fact that Jameis Winston suspended. Not a lot of optimism down in Tampa Bay. People are pretty much... Uh, uh, have Dirk Cutter as the favorite uh, first coach to be fired. Not that apparently TV star Hugh Jackson uh, may live to see another week. But hand-in-hand um, <laughs> uh, hand with that, I, I think, too, with Darnold, while it was impressive, you make a great point. It was a team effort. Stafford threw four interceptions. And, frankly, there have been a lot of good reports coming out of Jets training camp that not only did Darnold look good, but he was going to be the starter. And, uh, look, I, I think bigger picture, being a Giants fan, I mean, this is something that could haunt the team for years. If they let – 
pass a potential future uh, starting quarterback for a good 10, 12 years in favor of Saquon Barkley. And I get it. The Giants needed a running back, and that's the new trend in this league to pick running backs high and early in the first round. But if you let Darnold get away and he's right across the hallway staring at you for the next decade, I mean, it's going to be a ton of second guessing in New York, which doesn't need any more second guessing in their media. Uh, but if, if Saquon Barkley, it could be a win-win, because if Saquon Barkley turns out to be that generational running back they've been looking for, and uh, and Darnold turns out to be the quarterback the Jets were looking for, I, I think it's a win either way. Now, granted, quarterbacks do tend to have longer careers than, than great running backs, but if Barkley turns out to be the real deal, I, I think it's all good. Yeah, but however, the Giants seem to think Eli Manning is Tom Brady, and I mean that in the sense of you know Tom has his show and his Alex Guerrero and his avocado ice cream, and he wants to play till he's forty-five. Guy's a freak of nature. Uh, with Eli, I know he's been very durable, but look, his numbers have been regressing. And frankly, Davis Webb, who everyone seemed to think was going to be the heir apparent at some point in the future, got released in training camp. So now you're back to square one. So I think from that aspect. If it doesn't work out, even if Barkley's a great running back, who's the quarterback going to be in a few years? Because it's it's very rare that you get there to pick that high in the draft. you got to be really yeah. bad. And um, there was a crop this year of numerous quarterbacks, and well, everyone thought the Browns were going to take Darnold. So uh, it remains to be seen. Look, it's it's overreaction Monday, as the saying goes, after week one of the NFL. But just, uh, I, I think, a trend that's really worth keeping an eye on here. Well, the Browns could have had – they could have had Saquon Barkley and, and Darnold. It, it's, well, anyways, let's not analyze the Browns in their draft. But uh, the Browns, they did get that 21-21 to tie against the Steelers. So kind of more impressive, or was it about the Browns? And really an underrated defense. The Browns are looking pretty nice on the defensive side of the ball. And on offense, you got Tyrod Taylor – excuse me, Tyrod Taylor. Uh-huh. Now he's got good targets. He's got Josh Gordon is back. Uh, Jarvis Landry is there. They gave the Steelers all they could have. And honestly, I watched that game. If the Browns knew anything about how to actually win a football game, they would have won that game over the Steelers. Absolutely. I mean, I watch Hard Knocks. They've got the talent there. They're building it. My one takeaway, I'm not impressed with Hugh Jackson. He's got two coordinators who seem like are running their own little fiefdoms there or street gangs or whatever analogy you want to use. And, uh, Look, I mean, I completely agree with you. And not only that, you know, lining up for that field goal, having it blocked by uh, T.J. Watt, I mean, how fitting can that be? The Browns are about to win a game, their first game of the year. They've only won one in the last 32, and the kick gets blocked. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Hugh seems like a nice enough guy. The players seem to like him, but I got to agree with you. It's it's all in the details, and I'm, I'm really kind of skeptical when it comes to that. Yeah. There we go. And then, you know, another quarterback, a veteran making his debut, Alex Smith there in Washington. Uh, they take care of business against Arizona, winning 24-6. to And one of the things, uh, Arizona, they rolled the dice, as many teams like to do. You roll the dice on Sam Bradford. Looks like it's come up snake eyes. And really, uh, even with David Johnson back there in the backfield, I think with him relying on Bradford, who I don't even know what he can really do when he's healthy because he hasn't stayed healthy long enough. Everyone gambles on uh, him, his potential, but it looks like it could be a long, long season out there in the desert. I think it's going to be, and at some point in time, they're they're going to have to determine. We've got Josh Rose, Rosen on the bench, a first-round pick. At what point do we just say, hey, this is going to be your learning curve this year. Let's get you some reps because uh, – it looks like it's definitely going to be a long season. I feel bad for David Johnson. I, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NFL. But uh, uh, even at the time when the Cardinals signed Bradford, I was really wondering. Uh, guy's always hurt. He can never really play for a full season. And uh, tell you what, though, he's uh, his, his agent or whoever it is is advising him on things. I mean, guys made a killing money-wise for uh, what was really an underwhelming performance in the NFL big picture. Yeah, that's true. And then when I look at Denver, uh, they got the win over, uh, narrowly got the win over Seattle, but that was really about the defense. And, you know, uh, I wonder if Case Keenum has turned into Case Keenum again. Has the clock struck midnight? Is He really didn't look that great. I think he threw three picks out there. Yeah, definitely reverting. And everyone's going to go back to the fact, well, he, he had really good receivers with Diggs and Thielen in Minnesota. He had Pat Shermer, now the Giants coach, as his offensive coordinator. Uh, was it more his uh, his teaching, the the parts around him, uh, or was it a case of, uh, look, it's the first game, these guys are rusty, 
Uh, Seattle still got some pride on defense. Remains to be seen, but um, you know, at the end of the day, my, my sons met my both my kids met Case Keenum at Rams training camp back in the day. Heck of a nice guy. Um, I wish him all the best. So uh, I hope he does well. But that said, it's not like the uh, it's not like the Broncos have the weapons the Vikings do. That's true. And you know what? For the record, there, Chris, you're a heck of a nice guy too. But I don't know if I will want you quarterbacking my NFL football team. I, I just don't know. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd rather be your general manager than your quarterback or even your minister of propaganda, as it were. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Kansas City Chiefs, we got to talk about them. Pat Mahomes getting the uh, finally getting the reins. Alex Smith is out of town. Uh, they take care of business. And, you know, it comes down to those speed merchants there. You know, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, just tearing it up against the San Diego Chargers. The Chargers, though, as they typically do, Started slow, a lot of mistakes, drop passes, everything else, and they lose that game against KC, which I think they could have won that game. I think it was 38-28, and the Chargers shot themselves in the foot again, as they tend to do early in the season. Absolutely. Some things never change. And, you know, one of the uh, over-unders I looked at before the season, everyone's very high on the Chargers. Their win total was 9.5. Listen, if I had clients, I would advise them to take the under. Uh, this is a team who is almost as cursed or – inept or whatever the ball and throws interceptions at inopportune times i know the guys get great stats he's had a great career but look the the guy to do that and i'm sure it's a function of him being frustrated and forcing the ball or whatever but look at his receivers dropping the ball they still can't find a kicker i mean dallas uh releases their kicker do you think the san diego oh, i mean la chargers pick him up no they bring in Caleb Sturgis, he misses a field goal. Uh, the defense, I know Joey Bosa was hurt, but their secondary got lit up. They didn't account for Tariq Hill. You look at the Jaguars-Giants game. Beckham had a great game, but really I don't think he he had really a lot of uh, deep balls. I mean, he had like 11 catches for I think about like 111 yards or so. Um, the, the Jaguars were double-teaming him at all times. They are only letting him have the underneath stuff. Why aren't the Chargers doing this at Tariq Hill? The guy's basically a track star with hands. I mean, you've got to account for him. So... Look, I, I know everyone thinks the Chargers are going to win the AFC East with the Raiders being down, the Broncos having question marks, but uh, I don't see it. There's just something in this team. I don't know if they're cursed. It's in their culture. Um, they're getting payback for the whole move, karmic payback. But, yeah, same old Chargers, Charles. <laughs> there we go. So, hey, everybody, like I said, we do the, uh, you know, here's the analysis side. We get into the picks of the week, Gambler's Delight special coming up after that, and we also end with some fantasy football tips. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the picks of the week. But before we do that, Mr. Lardieri, I know you've always got a little wisdom for the football fans out there. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people came in talking about the new rules with uh, the hitting of the helmet and wanting to reduce concussions. Yeah, you can run the gamut of comments between, oh, this is ruining football. And from the other side, uh, you know, what are you supposed to do? You can't have these guys getting concussions and bringing massive class action lawsuits against the league. The refs are going to enforce it. After all this hype and babbling and commentary and hand-wringing on both sides of the fence, I believe there was one penalty called for it all weekend. So is it a function of do the players get the hint or the refs being more lenient? I don't know, but – uh, I think it's a good start for now. Uh, if you ask me, I think the players have kind of gotten the hint and they've had to adjust the way they tackle. I know there are bang-bang plays and it's going to happen, but uh, I mean, I was watching a college game between Michigan and Notre Dame. guy clearly led with the head and knocked a receiver out, and I think it's good. We're not at least so far seeing that in the NFL. Um, related to that, I, I hit on this earlier. The Rams sat out all their starters. They were rusty in the first half in the Monday night game against the Raiders. They got criticized for it. They, they picked up the tempo. They really look like a well-oiled machine in the second half. But that's another trend, and you need to keep this in mind the first few weeks And people say, oh, the NFL's changed. It's boring. These guys have maybe played a couple quarters of football. They'll get with it. Um, some of them just aren't even in game shape. But uh, I do think, given that backdrop, uh, I think at least the games are competitive. And finally – um, I don't know about you, Charles, a Dolphins fan. Were you the only person that I know, football fan-wise, that sat through that whole game and watched it to its conclusion? Because if so, I want to give you credit. And I also want to give the Titans credit for changing your uniforms, but uh, I don't have the greatest eyesight. I can't see your numbers. Like, why would you have dark numbered? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm babbling. But if you watch that whole game, props to you, Charles. Yeah, I, um, I did not. 
I'd okay. love to get props, but I, I cannot tell a lie. I did not watch that whole game, but I did love the result. So let's go ahead and get into it here. What we do is we don't pick every game. We just take the three or four most intriguing games of the week, uh, give you our analysis, our picks. We keep track for the season, and then we normally bet something that neither of us ever pays up on. But that's how we do it here. But, hey, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, first game on the docket, Kansas City Chiefs, who were big winners last week. They are going into Pittsburgh to uh, play the Steelers. Uh, Mr. Lardieri, let's give the, get the stats here, and then uh, let's get your pick on this game. Sure. I mean, you, you look at both these teams. The Chiefs had a phenomenal week one. Looks like Andy Reid's had uh, no problems inserting Mahomes into the lineup and this offense being high octane. Uh, on the flip side, a Big Ben goes on the road. He has a dud. He'll even do this in Cleveland, as we saw this week. He's done it in previous years. Do they miss Le'Veon Bell? I don't know, but uh, I do think that uh, that Connor really had a nice game running behind that line, so maybe they don't miss a beat. Um, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. What I think here, big picture, is that uh, Andy Reid, as as you know, I'm fond of saying, great guy. He's had a nice career as a coach, but uh, guy's phenomenal in September. Just can't get it done in January and February, so what the heck. I think that offense is, is really rolling. Um, the defense looked more improved this year on that side of the ball. And frankly, even if Connor did well last week against the Browns, I'm not sure how that team or that locker room is feeling right now. There's a lot of divergence of opinions on Le'Veon Bell's uh, holdout and even if he will show up. So I'll pick the Chiefs coming on the road in an upset. I just like the way they're playing, and I feel like the Steelers are moving in an opposite direction. Yeah, that's true. And I think not even – well, when we look at the Steelers, it's not just the Bell holdout on one side, but also we got to remember Ryan Shazier – uh, the great linebacker, he's, I think his career is over, even though I haven't announced it, but he got the neck injury last year. He's not there to solidify that defense. Um, I think with the speed, we talk about Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. I, I just, the Pittsburgh Steelers tend to give up some chunk yardage on defense, and I think this is just kind of a, I say, styles make fights. It's about the matchups, and honestly, I, I, love, I love the Steelers, but I don't like the matchup here against the Chiefs, although I will say this, the Chiefs secondary is not the greatest, and I think Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown, can uh, they can get loose back there, make this thing into a shootout, but at the end of the day, um, I got to go with the Chiefs here as well. I'm glad we agree, but you know, that is a great point about Shazir. You haven't really heard a lot of that, so that, that's why you listen to this show, Charles. You get that an in-depth, below-the-radar analysis that the uh, mainstream NFL media won't give you. Yeah, and I, I'm sure with the Shazier thing, it's about figuring out, uh, you know, what the the final payout is going to be. Honestly, that's probably what's going on behind the scenes. Seriously. Okay, so next game, uh, New England Patriots, they were victorious last week uh, over Houston. Houston looked a little bit rusty, but they're going to be in Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. The Jaguars, they beat your Giants 20-15 uh, last week. But uh, Leonard Fournette may be a little bit hobbled. If so, it'll be uh, T.J. Yeldon getting the, uh, getting the start there in the backfield. So we get our big matchup, Jalen Ramsey against Rob Gronkowski. And uh, by the way, Jalen Ramsey, he did come out with his list of quarterbacks who, quote, suck, and Tom Brady was not on it. Tom Brady thanked him for that. I don't know how much uh, – you know, how, how Ramsey will feel about Brady after this week. He says he doesn't suck, and I think after this week, he's really going to know it because I think the Patriots going to Jacksonville, and uh, I see them taking care of business against the Jags here. I don't trust Blake Bortles at quarterback to win a big game, and this is early season, but it is a big game. I'm going with the experience, the rings, and Belichick, and Brady, and Gronk. Talk to me. I'm going to agree with you. Watching that Giants-Jaguars game, I had the observation. I said this to the son and a, to my son and a friend of mine. If even someone like Terod Taylor was quarterbacking the Jaguars that game, I think they beat the Giants by at least two to three touchdowns. Blake Bortles, even when he manages a game, manages to make it interesting for the other team. You combine that with the fact that even if Fournette plays, I think he's going to be hobbled. TJ Yeldon doesn't scare me. Uh, if Fournette does play and he's at full health, I might lean to picking the Jaguars. I think they were that close in the AFC Championship game that year. Uh, the defensive line, secondary, phenomenal. Miles Jack, I mean, I can't believe this guy fell to the second round. But uh, that said, the Patriots always seem to, to find a, a way to win. I'm going to pick them as well. Yep. 
there we go. So we're in agreement so far. So, Chris, why don't you break down the next game? We got uh, – this should be a doozy here, the Carolina Panthers, who will be minus Greg Olson, a great tight end, but he refractured that foot. Uh, he's going to be in Atlanta. Atlanta trying to get over their first-round loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, first-week loss to the Eagles. Yeah, the big NFC South showdown this early in the season. Uh, not impressed with the Falcons. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, how this guy kept his job, I really don't know. It was like deja vu all over again at the end of the game with four shots in the end zone and Ryan looking for essentially Julio Jones and no one else. Uh, the Panthers really kind of slugged one out against the the Cowboys to eke out a win. So both teams are kind of coming in hobbled on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, despite the fact that Olsen's out, I do think the Panthers will win. The main reason is the, the Atlanta defense, I feel like they seem to wear down. They've got two key injuries on that side of the ball. Um, even if Ryan and Julio manage to hook up, I do think that what will happen with Olsen out is Cam's going to look a lot more to McCaffrey, whether he's uh, coming out of the backfield or he may even be forced to run more. And I don't think the Falcons have a good defense for that. I think it'll be a close game, but I'm going to go with the Panthers. I like the way they're deep played last week, even though they're in Atlanta. You know, they've had some success down there over the years. I'll pick them. Yeah, you know uh, you know my feelings on Matty Ice, uh, you know, Matt Ryan. As I say, the ice melts when the heat really gets turned up. But uh, this week, when I look at the way Carolina played last week against Dallas, and I look at Dallas as kind of a team that's – I think they're going to have a rough year this year. And Carolina, they kind of – they dominated, but they only put up 16 points against them. I, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think Atlanta at home. I think there's going to be a desperation factor. They really don't want to go to 0-2. Remember, the NFL season is so short. That's the thing. Climbing out of an O2 hole, it's going to take you probably a month to get back to, you know, to get back to something respectable. The division is competitive. Atlanta needs to have this game. I think Matty Ice and the boys will come through here. And the hobbled Greg Olson, I think that's going to be the difference in the game here because he is a safety valve. He's the one guy they can really, really count on. So uh, that's going to be a big adjustment for them. Atlanta needs to take advantage, come out hot, and uh, hey take care of business. I've got the Atlanta Falcons winning this game. I'm glad that despite all your doubt of Matty Ice, you'll still pick him when necessary. <laughs> oh, he crushed me when they lost that Super Bowl, though. Okay. Everyone. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and get down to it here. The last game here, the New York Giants, who, uh, hey, they had a big game there against the Jacksonville, even they came up short, and like I said, they're going to be in Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Deke and Zach. Now they're trying to Deke and Zach, Dak and Zeke, right? <laughs> Dak and Zeke, jeez. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Dak and Zeke trying to get it going. But I think what's happening here with the Cowboys, Des Bryant's gone and Jason Witten is gone. And now Des Bryant, for as much as he kind of ran his mouth and kind of ruffled feathers, I don't think he was necessarily a bad locker room guy. And we also know that Jason Witten is as professional as they get. He's definitely a blow not having him in the room. Now you've got Dak and Zeke actually being the focal points and the leaders. I think Dallas's this game is going to show that Dallas is going to have a tough time this year. And I like the direction the Giants are going, at least in the short term here. Saquon had a big week last week. I think they continue that uh, this week. And I think they go into Dallas. And even though it's the home opener there in Big D, I'm going to take the Giants. I'm going to have to agree with you, Charles. And, you know, every year it seems like the Cowboys and Giants open in week one. So thank you to the NFL for moving it back to week two. But that said, I always seem to be on the wrong side of predicting this game every year. Uh, in true George Costanza mode, my cynicism of the Giants means I'll pick the Giants to win. Um, I do think there are a few turnovers away from winning that game against the Jaguars. I was impressed with their defense. Granted, it was Blake Bortles and Fournette was out of the game, but I felt like they kept the team in that game for, for you know, a good 50, 55 minutes. The Giants cut down on the turnovers, and Eli can connect on some wide-open throws that he didn't last week. I, I think that'll bode well for them. And then, too, the, the Cowboys' offensive line is really in shambles. People aren't talking about that. Right. He can't run. Dak doesn't have time to pass, and I, I think that's going to hurt them ultimately. Yeah, and, I, and even when uh, at the end of last season, when I watched Prescott, and he really just looks labored. And I mean not just the physical, but on the emotional side. It looks like he's really having some difficulties out there. And like I said, I think they're going to struggle this year. And when you talk about the turnovers with the Giants, 
Eli did throw a pick six last week, and, hey, they lost the game by five points. So, hey, that's simple arithmetic right there. So I'm taking the Giants here. Plus minus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody. So those are our picks. We're both going with KC to take care of business against Pittsburgh, the Patriots over the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. We split. I'm taking Atlanta to win at home, uh, whereas Chris is taking the Carolina Panthers to uh, to take care of business there in Atlanta. And also – we're taking the New York Giants to beat the Dallas Cowboys. So now we get to have a little bit of fun here. Now everybody knows, hey, NFL, a lot of it is about the whole, you know, gambling thing. It's gambling. <laughs> so we don't advocate gambling here, only do it for fun. But if you happen to be in Vegas with a reasonable amount of money uh, burning a hole in your pocket and you happen to be by the sports book, hey, you know, football is the sport you want to bet on. We all know that. I'll go ahead and say it, you know. That's the elephant in the room here. So if you happen to have that 20 bucks in your wallet and you're uh, walking by the sports book, here's a little advice for you. We've got our gambler's delight pick. And uh, Chris, you being from New Jersey, not that that has anything to do with gambling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe any of those rumors, but uh, we each have a pick this week. Uh, Chris, what have you got for us? You know, it, it's funny it happens to, well, first and foremost, Charles, you know, we should mention to our loyal listeners that uh, if you're in the state of New Jersey, you can place a wager now, too, according to the Supreme Court of the United States. Now we've got two states you could do it in. But uh, that said, you know, there, there are a couple of dogs this week. That's my theme here on Gambler's Delight. I like getting the points. Uh, even if you don't win the game, I like getting enough points so I at least can cash in my ticket and win some money and maybe go out to a nice dinner when I'm in Vegas or the Meadowlands or Monmouth Park or wherever it may be. Um, there were a couple that stood out to me this week, and there were actually two of the games that we talked about. Uh, Chiefs getting four against the Steelers. Uh, that might be one I have a little bit less conviction on just because of the uh, the infamous Vegas zone where you get those four points and don't cover by a field goal, so you're down one and you lose. But uh, what do I know about that? I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers. You know, I've looked across some of the – the books in Vegas, they're as high as six. While I do – I'll stand by my pick. I think the Panthers win, which is even more icing on the cake. But I do feel if it's a close game, maybe they lose by three, four points. You're getting six. You cover the bet. So where the proverbial mouth is, or is it the other way around? Say, take the Panthers as a dog. Okay. And, well, what I'm going to do is a game that we didn't talk about, but uh, Houston, uh, the Houston Texans playing – Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, we've got, you know, Marcus Mariota was a little bit banged up last week against the Dolphins. Houston's defense is really quick. Uh, they're stout. They're strong. I think they can overwhelm Tennessee. And Deshaun Watson was really rusty last week against, uh, against New England. Still, they, they were in the game the whole way. So I look for Houston to come out, take care of business there. Right now, they're one-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they'll cover that rather easily against Tennessee, especially since we don't know if Mariota will even be able to, to finish the game there. But I'd say go ahead, take Houston, give that point and a half, and, uh, hey, you can thank myself and Chris next week. I like it. I do agree that the Texans will get back on track. Yep. Okay. So there we go. We've got the picks of the week. We've got the gambler's delight. Only next thing coming up, I don't really delve into it, but Chris, he is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. So – here we go with uh, fantasy football tips from Chris Lardieri. Everybody lean forward, get the pens and pencils ready, and get ready to write down this pure gold. All right, thank you. Well, in keeping with the overreaction of week one theme, uh, same goes for fantasy football. Look, you look at free agency out there on the waiver wire, a lot of people are going to run out and pick up TJ Yeldon and use their, uh, their fab budget to pay a pretty price to get him. That's great and all if you have Fournette and you need your handcuff, but – I don't know if he'll be a long-term solution there. I don't. Doesn't sound like Fournette's going to be out long-term. Um, you look at some of the other guys out there that are still sitting on waivers, uh, like at Quincy Anua with the Jets, who had a was off hurt all last year, had a nice week one with the Lions and the the emergence of Darnold. I think potentially he's someone you can play there. What I am going to advocate is don't overreact and just pick someone up because they had a really good week one. I mean, Royce Freeman with the Broncos. It wasn't the primary target. It looks like it's going to be typical Denver fashion where you have a running back by committee. Hold on. Be patient. I mean, I've got Deshaun Watson as my quarterback. I've got Andy Dalton on the bench. Just because Watson had a bad week one, I'm not going to play Dalton because he did well against the Colts. So my advice to you this week is watch the matchups. Uh, I was the unlucky recipient of having the L.A. Chargers as my defense, and they scored me negative six points last week. So 
maybe that's why I'm a little bitter and down on that team big picture as well. But, uh, you know, my son said to me, we've got to release them. You've got to release them, Dad. And I said, I can't. They're playing the Buffalo Bills. And that's the essence of fantasy football. <laughs> uh, Nathan Peterman, not to be confused with Jay of Seinfeld theme, is getting benched. Josh Allen, rookie in. I mean, I know there's a lot of hype about him, but the guy's never started an NFL game. you got the Chargers defense play them. I mean, I really think that uh, – last year I think they had something like five turnovers against them. You need to think big picture like that. And getting back to quarterbacks, I mean, if Darnold's out there, I am an advocate of even if you've got a top quarterback, much like the regular NFL, you need a backup. Darnold, Dalton, who I think, I mean, I got him in the last round of my draft. I, I do think with the emergence of Joe Mixon and John Ross, he could be a good quarterback for you if you need him as a bye week fill-in or your starting quarterback gets hurt, suspended, whatever the case may be. So think big picture on that. Uh, last year, uh, I got Alvin Kamara after week one. I thought he ran well, and I didn't think Adrian Peterson went well. I stashed him, and he had a phenomenal year for me, helped me get to the championship game. Um, another two guys that I think you could do that with who are actually three that are hurt. Uh, you've got Sony Michelle with the, the, the Patriots rookie running back out of Georgia. He was hurt. You know, Belichick loves rotating running backs. They get in his doghouse one week and they're starting the next hold on to him. Cause I think by the end of the season, he'd likely be a starter. Marlon Mack with the Colts. I know he was out really wasn't impressed with Wilson running the uh, Wilkins running the ball for the Colts. I think the job is his to lose me does come back and be healthy. And then finally receiver, with the emergence of the great Ryan Fitzpatrick out of Harvard, Chris Godwin, uh, a lot of people have been impressed with him since he came in the league last year from Penn State. He caught a touchdown with Deshaun Jackson possibly uh, having concussion issues. I think Godwin's going to be a nice guy. Even if you don't play him this week, stash him on your bench. It's a long season. Guys get hurt. And then, as I mentioned earlier, play the matchups. I mean, like I, like I said, uh, having Deshaun Watson, should I bench him? No, he's going up against the Titans, and really that's a team right now that I think uh, – Ryan Tannehill's beating you. I think that bodes well if you're a Deshaun Watson owner. Um, and look at someone like the Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. Guy went up against one of the best defenses in the league with the Minnesota Vikings. Don't give up on him. The Detroit Lions come to town. Expect him to put up big numbers. So, look, be be calm, but at the same time, keep one eye open and don't give up. There's always hope. I mean, I guess you could always play the Browns unless you're Ben Roethlisberger, right? <laughs> There you go. And you know what? I got to give props because you just mentioned him. We didn't talk about it, but uh, Adrian Peterson, he's looking pretty nice there in a Redskins jersey, wouldn't you say? Uh, another great resurgence, right? This guy's got nine lives. I mean, pretty soon he's going to be uh, he's going to be playing on a team in every division in the NFL if he keeps going. Okay, there we go. Okay, everybody. So remember, every single week through the uh, regular season here, and then into the playoffs, and all the way to the Super Bowl, right here. This is an Inside Sports production. The show is NFL Football Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at the Inside Sports. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And hey, every week it's the picks, it's the analysis, it's gamblers' delight, it's fantasy football. This is one-stop shopping here, folks. And it's not about the hype or anything. We give it to you straight. You can only get it that way right here, Mr. Lardieri. You can take us out here. Uh, final thoughts for the week. Sure. Uh, you know, even though we're uh, we're not millennials here, we do have an Instagram account now, Inside Sports TV. Be sure to follow us. Uh, the kids tell me they have these things called stories. They disappear after a while, but everyone seems to like them. I don't know, but it's another outlet to look at besides our uh, Twitter and Facebook pages. And then to um, the new Monday Night Football announcing crew. Um, they got Booger McFarlane on the sideline. I think Fox tried that with Tony Siragusa once. Didn't work so well. While I think McFarland's a lot more eloquent and astute than Siragusa was, I'm just not a huge fan of a three-man booth. Jason Witten was really underwhelming. I don't know why ESPN seems to think he's the next Tony Romo. And uh, Joe Tessitore has done a great job with college football. Um, he kind of reminds me, I guess, Johnson just getting excited over everything. So I know it's only one game and working out the kinks, but yet again, ESPN loves rotating the boot and I, the booth, and I, I think it's much ado about nothing. But we'll see as the season goes on. So, yeah, Booger McFarland following uh, Tony Saragusa, I guess to do that whole sideline gig, you need to be at least weigh at least three bills, I suppose, right? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a job for defensive linemen, right? You can't yeah. have any uh, kickers or quarterbacks down there. It's a big man's game. Okay, everybody, thank you for watching. It's NFL Football Talk. Remember, it's an inside sports production. For Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. We'll see everybody next week.
And we're back with the program. This is Gerald once again coming right back at you here. Well, it is time once again. We're right in the middle of it when it comes to the college football season. Something I've always wanted to approach right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Just a little bit of updates here and there on the college football scene. And who better to talk college football? Not only is he our NBA man in the know, and he and I both, I can tell you right now, are waiting anxiously for training camp here coming up. But he's also our man in the know when it comes to NCAA football. It is my good friend, Mr. Anthony Barberin. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Ready to talk some college football because I know it's something both you and I also have an affinity for. Uh, a lot of great teams that are out there right now. So, well, well, actually... When it all starts, it all starts with Alabama. You see what they're doing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've got that quarterback controversy, which everybody looks at as far as which quarterback should start. But when it comes to Alabama, is it right now looking like at this point in time, early in the season, Alabama and everyone else? Um, yeah, I think Alabama is, is pretty much a lot to make the playoff. Um, unless they have a, a, a monumental collapse. Um, they, I mean, they're very smart about the things that they do and the way they set up their, their schedule. They don't have a, a, a even close to a competitive, what you would call a competitive game until they play LSU. Um, and even after that, I mean, Mississippi State, but, you know, Auburn is at the end of the season, so – um, right now they can go off their reputation of being Alabama without have to schedule um, too many real, you know, monstrous opponents and, and still make it um, into the playoff. Right now, the top eight is pretty much set in stone right now, according to the polls. Both polls that are out, major polls anyways, have Alabama at number one, Clemson, which just squeaked by Texas A&M at number two, You've got Georgia at three, Ohio State, and well, all I'll say is this: uh, they really gave that Urban Meyer that, that slap on the wrist. Okay, well, it wasn't really much of a slap on the wrist. They've had two two real uh, easy games. They have a challenging game coming up in TCU, but really, when it came came right down to it, well, let's just put that aside because uh, I have my thoughts and opinions on that. Oklahoma. Wisconsin, Auburn, and Notre Dame. Those are pretty much the 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 top eight teams, which everybody thinks that are that that are uh, really going to challenge right now for the playoff slot. Your thoughts on any of those other seven teams that I mentioned? Are there any other t- of those teams that that could be giving some Al- could could be giving Alabama some really some some interest early as far as a possible co favorite going into the playoff season? Um, I would think it'd have to be Ohio State. Um, they, uh, through the first two games without Urban Meyer, I mean. I'm slapping my wrist now. I'm slapping my wrist. They, um, they've looked well. Um, they haven't, you know, struggled or, you know, shown any sign of anything. Now, they haven't played any great competition. Like you said, they play TCU coming up next. Um, that'll be a little more telling. Um, but what they, they looked the part, I mean, they looked the part and, um, uh, after watching, uh, Penn state struggle opening weekend, Michigan lose to Notre Dame. Um, I don't really see a big 10 team where I feel like, Oh, you know, they, they really are the ones who Ohio state has to look out for. I'm sure some of the games will be competitive, but I think Ohio state, um, is probably sitting there um, with their eyes on, you know, the final four. Uh, and I don't see anybody on their schedule at this point who um, can really, you know, uproot that. I see one team out there that might give Alabama a strong running at this point in time, the way it looks this early in the season. And that to me is Georgia. I think they've really got something. They're, they're flying a little bit under the radar, which I guess is best you can do if you're Georgia. But I really think they've got on both sides of the ball a lot of promise. And I think if things go right, I think for them, 
that they can prove to be a viable challenger for the top of the rankings with uh, Alabama if anything should happen to Alabama. But I know a lot of people right now are just like uh, favorite right now is Alabama going forward. But if anybody, if, if they falter for any reason, I think Georgia might be someone to look at, might be a team to look at. But there's also other great teams as well. We talk about the top 25 and, and all the great teams that are out there and some of the teams that are that we've already listed already. Is there a team that people should be talking about? Like I said, I think it's Georgia, but again, they're only they're they're still ranked number three, so they're considered one of the top of the nation already. Is there a team out there that you think people should be talking more about because they have caught your eye for one reason or another? Um I wouldn't say in terms of the national championship or national title run, but just in the fact of what they're done in and what they could do in their um, conference, Arizona state through the first two weeks have been very, very uh, eye opening under Herm Edwards. Um, Chelsea, you know, you can come back, you know, if you have it right, the plan is right. You can come back from, from, uh, you know, he, he's having, let's just, let's just say he's having a better time right now than John Gruden at this point in time coming from the <laughs> broadcast booth. Yeah. Um, and it's the thing in college football, man, there's so many talented players. Um, coaching is, is paramount. You don't have the right coach, um, right system. Uh, uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, it's, it's so many programs in college football that it, it, it's, nearly impossible to get a great coach at every, at every program. And so when you, when you see an, an elite level coach, you immediately tell the difference. Like we talk about the slap on the wrist of urban Meyer and, 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 you know, people, you know, your feelings about urban Meyer, who is, but as far as a football coach, there's no denying he's one of the probably two best coaches in all of football. And you see it from the time, before he went to Florida, after he went to Florida, it takes when he gets there a second and the program switches. And you see it now with Herm Edwards. We haven't talked about Arizona State since Terrell Suggs was on the team. And now all of a sudden they bring a new guy in, a guy who's got NFL experience. And all of a sudden, two games in, we're like, wow, what's, what's going on with Arizona, with Arizona State? And so with them – Washington and Stanford, I think those are the three teams in the Pac-12 that, I mean, that you really have to consider uh, going home with that, that Pac-12 championship. And, and and for them to come out of the blue and to be in that conversation, even this early, I think is a testament to Herm Edwards. And it's so funny because Arizona, their interstate rival, was the one that a lot of people were picking to do a lot of great things in college football, and they're, at this point in time, when we're talking about it, one of the most disappointing teams in college football right now with an 0-2 record, looked bad on both both sides of the ball. Khalil Tate, who was looked like was a Heisman candidate coming into the season, looks anything but so far. So it's kind of interesting how this all plays out, played out, because a lot of people were laughing at the hiring of Herm Edwards, and look at it now, two games in. Speaking of the Pac-12, I know a lot of people are talking about how disappointing the Pac-12 has been, at least in the early part of the season, especially when they're going up against other teams in other leagues. And I'll tell you what, it's just been so far not a very good time for for the Pac-12. Washington had a game that they easily could have won against Auburn, and they unfortunately they didn't. And that has a lot of uh, sway with people that are picking for the, the playoffs later on as far as for any Pac-12 team. I know also as well Stanford, which came off an impressive win over USC. And then, like you said, Arizona State as well. They could all be vying for the top of the ladder in the Pac-12. But that top of the ladder in, in the Pac-12 could be a little bit of a problem because of the fact that they are so well uh, they're, they're actually not as well thought of as in previous years in fact this goes back to the the bad bowl season that they had earlier this year so your thoughts on the pac-12 as a whole is there anything that any one team can do to stand out because right now it looks like the pac-12 is on a down note at this point in time um yeah i mean run the table that's always the best the best way to go about it um, if you're a Stanford team, Washington at this point can't um, 
Arizona State, as much as I like what they've done the first two weeks, I don't think they're at a place where they're going to be that good. Um, I just think there's somebody to look out for in the Pac-12 to be viable for that Pac-12 title. Um, and you said it like uh, see UCLA with Chip Kelly, and you you think, oh, you know, he's going to bring in this, you know, the revolutionary offense, and they're going to be able to do all this stuff, and you've seen – you know, squat from them in the first two weeks. Um, I, I think the Pac-12 overall is not as well thought of, but they are a Power Five conference. Um, so when the time comes, if there are teams with losses in in, in these conferences, they will get a look, um, a legitimate look, not a, not a you know a passing glance, but a legitimate look. Um, but I think for somebody to be clear cut out of the Pac-12, um, I think they would have to run the table. With USC, it's just a matter of time, I think, in my opinion. For later in the year, you got to look out for them to be strong. I mean, they're starting a true freshman quarterback, plus also had a lot of losses on the offensive side as well. A lot of of players went to the pros. And I think with them, it's just a matter of recouping and getting that experience. But that's going to be later for them. So I would see them as a contender next year. But I think you're right on a, on all cylinders with what you're talking about. With UCLA, it's just disappointing. Not the fact that they lost, but that they lost so badly. I figured that their high-octane offense, supposedly, that Chip Kelly was going to institute would keep them in games in both Cincinnati and then also as well with Oklahoma. But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. And it, right now, it looks like there's going to be a lot of retooling that needs to be done with the Bruins, that's for sure. And we've already talked about Arizona being a problem issue. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to ask you one last thing. Is there any teams outside of, let's say, what we talked about so far that really could make some noise? I mean, we talked about, I mean, last year, the sensation Florida Atlantic, I believe, correct? That was un- undefeated. So that was a surprise by everyone. Is there that time of is is there that time of is there that type of team this year that could really make some noise and and have a standout season and I don't know maybe get in the playoffs sneak into the playoffs although I think there should be an A team playoff but that's another story for another day. <laughs> Your thoughts on the team that might surprise some people and and make some noise and and you know generate some enthusiasm for in the weeks to come. Um Honestly, I, I don't I don't see anybody that catches my eye to where, you know, maybe outside of the top twenty five that I think, oh, you know, you know, they, they have a chance to really, really, really do something. Um but I think um I like Oklahoma I, I'm I'm very surprised to see Oklahoma do what they're doing right now. Um with the loss of Baker Mayfield and to still come in and have that high octane offense and be that explosive. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see them um, continue to go. I know they're, they're, they're ranked pretty high at this point. Um, but to me, it's surprising to see them be able to uh, be this good offensively with your quarterback going number one. Fair enough. And I meant to say University of Central Florida. I'm thinking got I got Lane Kiffin on the brain for some reason. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, University of Central Florida, obviously they had a great year last year and surprised a lot of people. Um, that is actually a pretty good choice as far as what's coming up. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard right now for any team like a Central Florida to really make some noise. In fact, their undefeated season really, I mean, yeah, it got them a mythical co-national championship game. Uh, national championship, quote unquote, but it really didn't put them in the playoffs where I think they they des- that they deserve to go. Again, an eighteen playoff would have probably sufficed for that reason. But uh, you know, be that as it may, uh, my choice would probably be for kind of like a surprise out there. I think people, if they're looking in the way of either Virginia Tech or LSU, LSU has surprised a lot of people already, and if they can go ahead and beat Alabama they can still have quite a say as far as the playoffs are concerned, even with one or even a two loss type of season, because they have already got some nice wins under their schedule. 
And if it is, if they do beat Alabama, that can really go a long way to make their t- entire season and get Ed Ogeron finally off the hot seat he was really on before the start of the season. Right. That's for sure. Well, Anthony, it's been great talking to you about college football. I know uh, let's get together halfway through the season when it comes to college football, because I know we're also going to be talking about training camps opening up in the NBA. And, you know, that's a favorite uh, conversation of ours yeah. and a lot to talk about then. But I also want to talk to you about halfway through the season, how it's shaping up when it comes to the college football season. If you have any questions for Anthony in regards to either the NBA or college football, just give us a shout out. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you. Again, we've got to talk about half got to talk together about halfway through the season about all the great things going on in college football, because as you know, it can change ever so quickly. And all it takes is one ugly loss. And that sets a team really far back on the schedule and the rankings as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, by the time we get halfway in, we'll have a much better scope of, of who's good, who's, you know, who's pretending, who's serious. Um, and, and, and the, pivotal matchups um going forward absolutely will and again anthony it's been so great talking to you as always my friend uh just great to talk to you and having you a part of the show part of the program and also part of the pop culture cosmos looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game look no further than vitabrace high performance gamer wristbands Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it.